welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our goal is to encourage everyone to grow in the Christian faith by anchoring themselves to the secure truth found in the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, English Standard Version. Hello! Welcome to another episode of Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. I'm Victoria Kay. Today, we're going to continue a series we began last time on Anchored by Truth. We're calling this series Raising Christian Kids in a Creepy Culture. It's sad that we have to think in terms like this, but the simple fact is that we do. Today, our culture isn't just creepy in a lot of ways. It can be downright hostile to helping our children develop their own relationship with Jesus. Parents must make consistent, conscious, and disciplined choices to raise a Christian kid in that creepy culture. And today, we're really happy to have someone in the studio who has done just that. In the studio again with us today, we have Candy Coates. Candy was a working mom and a wife of a successful lawyer and businessman. But most importantly of all, Candy and her husband Richard raised two children who have strong and solid Christian faiths of their own and are building careers and lives for themselves. Candy joined us for an earlier episode of Anchored by Truth, where we heard the story of how her upbringing in a small Florida community helped shape her own sturdy faith. We would encourage all Anchored by Truth listeners who missed that episode to go to our website, crystalseabooks.com, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-S-E-A-B-O-O-K-S.com, and catch her inspiring story. I think Candy's story emphasizes one simple fact in a very profound way. Candy's grandparents had a strong Christian faith. Her grandparents imparted that faith to her parents, and her parents did that for her. And now Candy has passed that legacy along, and we have no doubt that that tree of life that has been so faithfully cultivated will continue to bear fruit in future generations. In our last episode of Anchored by Truth, we talked with Candy about some ideas that Candy used with her own children to help them develop a faith of their own. Candy even did many things with her children before they entered school to begin building the foundations for their faith. So today we're going to move forward a few years and talk with her about some of the things that she did with her children when they were in school. Candy, can you give us a general description of how you approached the school years with your kids to ensure they had a positive school experience, but also to ensure their faith kept developing? We were very blessed in our school experience with both the children. We went to a small country school and the teachers were outstanding. And we as a family made it a point to know our kids' teachers and to know their classmates. We were just very blessed with that. We had a fabulous principal and assistant principal and really everybody that worked at the school, super librarian. But we knew the kids. I knew all the kids in our kids' classes. My most fond moniker would be Mason's mom or, you know, Caitlin's mom. I certainly knew by face all the children at the school and all the teachers. Loved them. So we had a great experience. 
But as time progressed and new schools were built, the lay of the land changed as well. And so our son went completely through public school and graduated here in high school. And our daughter went to public school up to the third grade. But from third grade on, she went to a church school and just blossomed, did very famously. Then she went to a private preparatory school through high school and blossomed there as well. So we're very thankful for that. But I would say to parents now raising their kids, investigate what works best for you and find out what's being taught in your child's classroom. Get a copy of the textbooks. Look at what would be the equivalent in grade school of a syllabus, you know, or prospectus and find out what their game plan is and what subjects they're offering and do what you can to augment that. I'm a firm believer in you can patchwork quilt an education or whatever your goal is and still come out with a beautiful product. You may find that the school that you're in is fabulous in math. They're good in reading, but maybe not so much in social studies or civics or this kind of thing. So you can explore maybe getting a tutor in that subject to complement the rudimentary offering of schooling. I would say to parents now, check out all your options and see if homeschooling works for you or if a Christian school would work or see what your public school is offering and if you can afford that in terms of your goal of reaching for your child or if you can supplement it and make it work. These creative ways are alternatives that you have now that may not have been present in prior years, but they're very beneficial to helping you groom the child that you're going for, make sure their needs are met. Well, I think you made some very important points. First, you've stressed the need for parents to be involved with their children's schools. Especially today, parents can't just trust that their child's school is teaching material that the parent would agree with. Parents have to be aware of the content of the material that is being presented in their kids' classrooms. Parents also have to be aware of who is teaching their kids, and they even need to know who is in school with their kids. As you mentioned in our last episode in the Raising Christian Kids in a Creepy Culture series, raising a Christian child requires purpose and intention, and it requires, as you put it, Parents must show up for work every day because their kids are counting on them. And it's not always easy. I liked what you said about that. Some days it's going to suck the fillings out of your head. (laughs) But the goal of having a child whose faith will withstand the cultural onslaught is worth it, isn't it? I mean, that was one of the real blessings that you experienced growing up. Your parents were very faithful soldiers in God's army, weren't they? Oh, yes. Our parents were very formidable, and they were great servants in God's army. They had a lot of rough assignments handed their way, but I think they handled them so admirably because they did diligently seek Him. They did live purposefully, and they were anchored in truth in the Word. They didn't just say it, they lived it. You know, the outcome was evident in their lives. Well, I think that's a great illustration that your father was very focused on not only the faith of his family, but the faith of his community. Your father wanted his community to have a movie theater to provide entertainment for families, but he wasn't willing to allow inappropriate content to come into the community, at least insofar as he could prevent it. Are there other examples you recall about how your father's faith was reflected in his life? One of the instances I'm thinking of that reflects how diligently they followed him 
is that in the movie business, in which they were in many years, and we had a house theater, but it unfortunately burnt down by accident. And then my father built a drive-in movie theater. But as you know, the production of movies changed greatly over that period of time. So it sounds like even then, your father realized how much the entertainment industry could influence people, especially children. And things have changed drastically since your family operated the movie theater in Cross City, haven't they? We certainly have far more entertainment options than they did in those days. There are a lot more ways that entertainment enters our kids' lives and comes into our homes. But sadly, it's pretty obvious that the moral quality of most of the so-called entertainment has declined significantly. I've heard R.D., who founded Crystal Sea Books, say that that's the biggest reason he started a publishing business. The way R.D. has put it is that, quote, we're in a race to the bottom and we're winning, unquote. What do you think your father would say about today's entertainment if he were in the room with us? I think he would be saddened greatly. He might be in awe of the technology, so the mechanics of how entertainment is transmitted amongst others, but I think the content would dismay him greatly, as it did then. My father was lamenting at the family table one evening that the person who comes to him to promote movies for him to purchase or rent or show or this kind of thing, that he was dismayed at the lack of quality in the movies. And it got to the point where he said, you know what, we're going to sell the movie theater, you know, or we're not having it anymore. And I was like, oh, Dad, we can't not have a movie theater, you know, and he said, but look at this. I want you to see this bill. They called it a bill then because it was a promotional advertisement for the coming movies, and they would print them a month in advance. And what I learned later in life was that my father was actually subsidizing a goodly number of these movies so that the community could have the benefit of, say, a Disney movie because they were so proud of it and charged so much for it that our community couldn't afford that. So really, the tickets were an offset to the expense. You can't tote that forever. Okay, and then the other movies that were being made, I remembered one was entitled 99 Convicts and a Woman. And my father was like, that's it. You know, that's that's the final straw. We're not participating in this kind of activity. And so we sold the movie theater. But that's a grand example of how committed he really was to not only doing the right thing, but being who you're called to be. How do you think that parents today should be involved with their kids' choices of entertainment? It sounds like you agree with your father that kids need to have a parent or other responsible adult involved in helping make decisions about what they consume. This runs so counter to what our culture pushes in its narratives. The culture wants us to believe that kids are just little adults who may have different tastes, but they are capable of making acceptable choices. But this is far from the truth, isn't it? I honestly believe that parents ought to be very involved in what their children, young adults, are involved with until the age of at least 22. And I fully understand what a tall marching order that is. I mean, it's just really an uphill battle because today's young people are being bombarded, literally, if not harassed by all types of media and exposure to things that they may not have the skills, knowledge, and abilities to deal with. Candy, you were a working mom, which meant that you had to balance your work responsibilities with your concern for your kids. It's obvious that you weren't just focused on your kids' health and safety, though that was certainly your top priority. 
It's obvious you wanted your kids to grow up with a healthy set of values and with their own Christian faith. So how do you go about balancing your job responsibilities with your desire to be a faithful Christian mom and wife? Well, I had many blessings there as well. I always was very blessed to work in a supportive atmosphere with some flexibility, and then I was able to change my professional life so that I had more flexibility. I never needed to worry if I was going to work hard or to get the job done, but I did need a certain amount of flexibility because only the mother can be the mother. And so I started my own business in consulting, and it went very nicely, and I enjoyed it immensely. And I was still able to get my work done and fill my role as a mother. As we seek to raise Christian kids, it's important to be attentive to the child's developing faith, isn't it? I mean, I think there came a time in your daughter's life when she decided that it was time for her to make a change in her school. (laughs) Can you tell us about that? When our daughter was in the third grade, I took her to have her eyes checked one day, and she pointed to the Christian school across the street and said, When are you going to take me there, Mom? God wants me to go there. Well, okay, you know. So we finish at the eye doctor, and we come home that evening. I speak to my husband about it. My husband confirms, Oh, yes, honey, we need to listen to our daughter. And you take her over there first thing in the morning, fill out whatever paperwork they want, and let's get it rolling. And the Lord blessed us greatly with that move, and she shadowed the next day, and her third grade teacher at this new Christian school had said that her day was absolutely seamless, and that all the children just enveloped her, and it's though she had always been there. And we were ever grateful. And she went to that school until it concluded, and blessed tremendously in our stay there. I think one of the big points today in order to raise Christian kids is that you must be very conscious of the environment that will surround your children, right? I mean, culture has shifted a lot in the past few decades, and now there are many environments that Christian parents just don't want their kids to be in. But these unsuitable environments can still be enticing and, frankly, might be the most convenient choice in terms of time or effort. How important is it for parents to be very conscious about the environment their kids are in? To raise Christian children, you have to be very conscious of the environment that's going to surround your children. It has to be hitting all the major criteria. Is it safe? Is it going to be supportive of our overall big picture of raising the children in the faith? And won't work counter to it. Our oldest went to public schools and did fine, although there was a lot of change in public education from our perspective during the time right after he graduated high school. He graduated in public schools, but by the time our daughter, who was four years behind him, had matured to high school age, we sent her to a college preparatory school. And we're very grateful we did. It was just a wonderful move. And she had highly qualified instruction and was well prepared when she arrived in college. And we feel like the most prepared we could have had her, you know, before she was entering college. And we're very grateful we did that. So was there something that jumped out at the Christian school that was different from that in the public schools where your son was going at the time? Yes. The Christian school still had a very diverse schedule, and it was very precise. And in the same period of time during the working day, they made time for convocation. They made time for music. They made time for language. 
and then all the very basics of education were high-end math, reading, science, and all the instructors were very qualified to teach what they were teaching. Many of them had their masters. How about discipline? Was there anything that was noticeably different about the discipline in the Christian school that was different from that in the public school? Oh, yes. I felt that we very much benefited from that. It was a very positive sense of discipline in that they wore uniforms, which helped kind of, to me, take the the steam out of things that can get ruffled when you're dealing with large numbers of children. Okay. Secondly, there was always loving reinforcement of good habits, which I think is really paramount in raising Christian children, you know, to reward good behaviors and good habits. And they had good habits and good behaviors, and they communicated very well. So you felt like there was a cohesive team between the family and the parents and the school. So they were both working for the same end result. Candy, you have said that it's very important to know the other kids that your children are spending time with. Just about every parent knows that once kids go off to school, their classmates and other kids they meet are going to start being a bigger and bigger influence in their lives. There comes a point in many children's lives where their friends are more important to kids than their families. Some of that is natural, but we certainly don't want it to become detrimental to our kids' faith or futures. So you always made it a point to know what your kids were doing, didn't you? One of the things we do as parents to help with this overall goal of raising Christian kids in a creepy culture is to really know the friends they spend time with and how they spend their time. For example, our daughter joined a junior varsity tennis group and did real well. But they also had a fellowship of Christian athletes. And so she joined that. And those meetings were very uplifting and supported the overall big picture of what we were trying to do, even inside of a college preparatory school. So it wasn't a Christian school per se, but we still had the reinforcement of the big plan through the fellowship of Christian athletes. And as part of knowing what's going on in your kid's life and environment, that means you have to know their teachers and school very well, doesn't it? Oh, you bet. When our daughter had moved out of the age of the Christian school and moved into the college preparatory atmosphere, I was very encouraged in that the school had a number of opportunities to get to know the teachers and to get to know the other families of the students. And we took advantage of that every single time so that I knew each of our daughter's teachers individually. I knew what their background was, what their emphasis in their education was, and then I got to meet all the other students' families. And so we stayed in contact with one another. We got a directory from the school of all the other families, so I knew exactly where everybody lived and how to contact them, this kind of thing. But the teachers were wonderful, and many of them would have their masters in a subject that was different from what they were teaching. So they were very highly qualified. And they even went so far as to maybe offer tutoring in a subject that they didn't even teach our child in. And so I was able to, you know, kind of broker that deal so that we could address issues that were unique to our child. But it's very comforting to know who your child's going to school with, know of the families, having met them, and know each of the teachers individually. And I think that staying in communication with those pivotal players, I would call them, in your child's life are really important. So you help each other out in that regard. We would have some families that call and say, hey, we're fixing to go out of town for a few days. 
But we know that your daughter and our daughter are great friends, so we just wanted to let you know that. And we're like, hey, thanks for the heads up. You know, she's welcome to stay with us, or I'll pick her up when I pick up Caitlin. This kind of thing. But of course, no matter how careful you are or try to be, unexpected things are going to crop up, won't they? I mean, it's impossible to plan for everything that is going to go on when you're raising a child. It's impossible to plan for everything that goes on in life. So, do you have any thoughts about how to handle challenges that crop up that you never expect? When you're in high school age, you're going to have challenges that crop up that you don't expect. So, parenting's a good bit about flexibility within your parameters. (laughs) And trying to keep your sense of humor is, okay, what's today? And I think of that advertisement when you have a certain breakfast in you, you're ready to face the day. Well, be ready to face the day in a Christian kind of way, too. One day when our daughter was in high school, she'd been grappling with what I first thought might be a learning disability. And she came to me and said, Mom, I really need some help. I'm trying to focus. I keep having to read the same paragraph over and over again, and it's getting cumbersome. I said, keep your shirt on. We'll figure this out. And we did. We were able to get some help in that regard that was not our field and readily address. And it turned out that both of our children had attention deficit issues. And they had only now presented because the structure in their lives was so sufficient until now it didn't really present itself. And when we go through challenges, it can really help to remember that no matter what we are going through, that God is sovereign. No matter what is happening to us at that time, we know that God is still in charge. And that is true for the lives of our children as well as in our own lives. And we need to come to the point where we not only know but where we start to take comfort from that knowledge. After all, it's not much comfort to know that God is in charge if we don't think that God cares for us, which, of course, He does. But sometimes it's hard to remember that, especially when the big challenges come our way. But He is in charge, and He knows what's best when even we don't understand that at the time, right? You know, when we're Christians, we know that God's sovereign, and He knows what's best and how things are going to turn out. And in part, we know that because of the many times in our own lives as adults that God has done that very thing. And so, you know, we have to keep reminding ourselves not to get fuzzy in our memory of how many times the Lord has blessed us and always been there, especially as we keep remembering and consistently saying to Him that we know He's there and we know He's in charge. Well, one of the times that this happened was you have a child in college and you get the panicky call that says, oh, wow, oh, wow, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I've met with my advisor. They always signed off on my classes. But guess what? This one class cropped up that is really difficult. Everybody kind of runs to the hills when they realize they've got to take it. And few people get a very good grade in it. And now I realize that I've got to take that and I'm going to have to take it in the summer as opposed to an academic year in order to graduate when I'm supposed to. And I'm like, well, you know what? We're going to keep our shirts on. We're going to deal with this. And it may not be so bad after all. You'll still have a break once summer is over before the fall semester begins. So let's just take one stone at a time. And we wound up taking the course for the summer. I said, you know what? There's some scripture on this. I'm going to hunt up a few verses and I'll send them your way. And Kate's like, you know, I had some friends in this class that when class was over and they passed out their prospectus and everything, and they said, hey, we're going to call our mom. We know she's got some scripture for us. And I said, hey, I'm hanging with those girls. And I said, that was a good decision, child. 
So we had a strategy for approaching this. And of course, in hindsight, our daughter and I agreed that that was one of the best things that could have happened because she had the opportunity to just focus on this class and this class alone. And she came up with a great grade. But it was a collaborative effort, and I made a visual for her. And we put the number of the course on a stone, and every morning I would hammer it for her, and I'd send her a video picture of my hammering that. I said, see, we're hammering it with prayer. That's what we're doing. (laughs) And she says, oh, Mom. And for the others, too, I said, oh, absolutely. Everybody who's in the class we're praying for, not just for you, baby. So she was like, thanks. And it turns out now that we both kind of laughed about it in hindsight that that was the best approach. Stop, drop, and pray, as we said when they were younger. But it's still an excellent mantra to go by. Stop, drop, and pray. (laughs) I really like that. That's one of the reasons Crystal C. has published two books on prayer, because we believe prayer should be the first response, not the last resort. We've really liked to thank Candy Coates for being our guest on Anchored by Truth today. I think we can all see the one big reason Candy's children know Jesus and have a genuine love for him is because she has that love and knowledge. Candy's story is a clear illustration of how sacred scripture, the Bible, continues to demonstrate its supernatural nature through lives that are changed for the better for all eternity by its saving power. Today, for our closing prayer, How about if we pray that everyone would come to a saving knowledge of the God of the Bible, who is our one sure anchor to truth? Prayer for Restoration of the Worship of the One True God Lord of Destiny, God of Holiness, You ordained the fate of men and nations before the cornerstone of creation was laid. You are blameless in all your acts and commands, and therefore what you ordain must come to pass. Who among men can resist your will? What you sovereignly declare will happen. We rejoice that our hope rests in the power and mercy of an almighty God, and not in lesser beings. Lord, you know far better than we the blight that has come upon this nation. We have turned from honoring your name and seeking your will to self-exaltation and celebrating our rebellion. We cannot imagine how this must grieve you and give you justifiable cause for rebuke and reproof. We pray that you would raise up in our midst godly men and women who will be the leaders and teachers in a national renewal We know that you have preserved a faithful remnant for yourself because you have assured us that the gates of hell could not prevail against your church. We praise you that Christ Jesus himself makes intercession for us while he sits at your right hand. We praise him and offer this and all prayers in his holy name. Amen. Is the Bible important in your life? Supporting Anchored by Truth with a contribution is an easy way to put your faith into action. The opportunity to help is available at crystalseabooks.com. How wonderful would it be for Jesus to commend us because we made His Word a priority in our lives and giving. We are grateful for your support and partnership. We hope you'll be with us next time, and we hope you'll take some time to encourage friends to tune in also or to listen to the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to hear more, 
try out crystalcbooks.com where We're not perfect, but our boss is. And for those of you who need that website one more time, that's crystalcbooks.com. Crystal, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-C-S-E-A, and books, B-O-O-K-S dot com. Thank you for your support. Are you hungry for truth? Most people are today. Between changing social standards, cultural chaos, and denominational deviance, confusion is sweeping our community like a tsunami. Will we be swept away? Or will we be anchored by truth? At Crystal Sea Books, our passion is the Bible. The Bible came from the mind of God. The words of God are powerful in truth and love. God will give us peace and strength as we honor His Word. At Crystal Sea Books, we believe the Bible can be a dynamic part of adventure stories, lyrical rhythms, and even humor, as well as inspire our prayers and meditations. That's why Crystal Sea Books is so pleased to offer Purposeful Prayers and the Anthology of Purposeful Prayers. Many people know that prayer is an essential component to a powerful Christian faith, but they feel uncertain when they begin a prayer commitment. Let R.D. Fierro's Purposeful Prayers come alongside you to help you prepare to go before the throne of grace and find the peace and power that comes from learning to pray purposefully. And getting a copy of Purposeful Prayers couldn't be easier. Just go to crystalcbooks.com and use the link. That's crystal, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-C-S-E-A, books, B-O-O-K-S, dot com. In Purposeful Prayers and the Anthology of Purposeful Prayers, the Bible's timeless wisdom is captured in a devotional study of prayer and in prayers specifically designed to build faith as you focus on interceding with your family, friends, and nation. Get your own copy of Purposeful Prayers today. At Crystal Sea Books, we're not perfect, but our boss is.